the thing is, is that not only is that one of those skills that, you know, I had to learn for, as a basketball coach, but it helped me so much as a TV presenter. I would bring different guys in and to get the best out of them, I had to find what is it that makes them tick, that, that makes them give me their best performance each and every time. I would ask them the question and I would need them to present a great answer to the audience. See, you know, we're created equal, but you know, the thing as far as dealing with people is not always an equal thing. You can find out about that and many more of my stories here in my book, The Cater Will Rock. Welcome once again to the Irish NFL podcast, brought to you in association with the 42.ie. Uh, as always, it's me, Mark Ockrell, a uh, depressed but generally happy Patriots fan beating the Jets. I'm joined, as always, by uh, Brian O'Leary, who is delirious with excitement as a Giants fan. Good afternoon, Mark. And uh, good afternoon, Brian. And Gordon Bridgefield, who similarly should be delighted about a fantastic win for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Just feel bad I bet against them. Yeah, absolutely, Gordo. You will learn your lesson for the future. Um, on a bit of a sombre note, you will have heard the intro this week. It uh, wasn't the usual touchdown rundown. It was, in fact, the voice of Kevin Cadle, who was the voice and host uh, on Sky Sports NFL for a number of years. Uh, for those who have followed NFL for a number of years, he's very much an indelible part of the NFL experience. Uh, very much sometimes a frustrating host, but always humorous. Always great fun, whether he was taking the piss out of uh, Nick Halling wearing his jeans uh, behind the counter, uh, joshing with Cecil Martin, or even looking forward to Thanksgiving with the lovely Lacey Randall on. Uh, Kevin was the one doing it all and pulling it all together. He coached and hosted basketball, which was probably his real love, but it always have a true place in NFL fans' hearts. Not always perfect, but sorely missed and greatly respected. Yeah, I suppose on Monday afternoon we... Read the news on Twitter that he'd passed away. It was a bit of a shock. sudden enough. And uh, look, I'm not going to say here pretending that we knew the guy, but you felt like you knew the guy because yeah. you literally spent 10, 15 years watching NFL in your living room and he's on the box. Um, and as you said, he always brought entertainment to every game, especially those late games when you're up to 3 o'clock, 4 o'clock in the morning. And you know, you're up for work in a couple of hours, but you couldn't take your, take away from the game. He'd always make it as entertaining as possible. Read some funny stories this week, and one particular one was. How he always just said, let's get back to the ball game. He picked up on yeah. the fact that a number of students uh, would be doing drinking shots watching American football every time he said the ball game. So one evening he said to the guys on Sky, I'm going to say as much as I possibly can tonight to make <laughs> sure those guys are really drunk watching <laughs> the NFL tonight. So look, he brought great humour to, to a sport that we love. And uh, it's just sad, but um, the guys on Sky have done a great job this week in terms of putting out some great tributes. And I believe there's another one on Sunday before the game in Twickenham. Yeah, and Bruce Arians as well, the uh, Cards coach, actually alluded to him in his uh, uh, press conference as well. Um, so, yeah. you know, he, he had a reach. Yeah, so I think any NFL fan out there who watches as much as we do would definitely feel this one. Absolutely. Look, um, we'll turn to our ball games in honour of Kev. And uh, look, again, a very busy week, certainly in the 6 o'clock games. There were lots happening, lots of excitement in the later games. But then the 9-15 games coming on and starting with a, a real buzz, particularly the, uh, the, the Jags-Rams games that we'll get to. Uh, it was one of those, if you were in a pub like the Woolshed with all the screens on, it was great. But for us older guys with kids, it was very much red zone, reliant to watch as much as possible. But let's get cracking through it. We talked about Thursday's game in last week's recording. So let's start with one of the surprises of the weekend. Dolphins at Falcons. 
Um, this started just as we thought. Falcons up 17-0 at halftime, walking this at home against the overmatched Dolphins. Then what the hell happened? The Finns woke up on both sides of the ball. They reeled off 20 straight points and an amazing comeback. And from two of the worst losses we've seen all season from the Dolphins, from any team, they now sit at 3-2, and two, a game out with one in hand. The Falcons are in a similar position, but probably hate the AFC East because they've had back-to-back home losses against the Dolphins and the Bills. Brian, what happened? It was a very unusual game because they said everybody at halftime probably could switch off the game because it was 17-0 to Falcons and it looked like the Falcons had come off their bye week and got the win that everybody expected. Jay, the train happened. In, um, in the second half, they turned to him. They started running the ball properly, keeping the Falcons' offense off the field. Um, in fact, it was still 17-0 with six minutes to go in the third quarter and then uh, Cutler came alive. He looked re-energized by the fact that he was in a situation where he wasn't continuously throwing the ball. He was able to hand it off and he was able to Mixed the play calling. Two good touchdowns from Kenny Stills and Andre. And um, to be honest as well, the Falcons didn't help themselves. They had a, a muff punt, which gave uh, the Dolphins a great field position. And that saved the momentum as well. And truly with the Dolphins, it's a big win for the Dolphins. As I say, we've touched on how consistent Cutler has been. But he showed a bit of character in the second half to come back and win that game. It's a but again, and I also think the Falcons, we were talking earlier in the season about a, a Super Bowl hangover or a season hangover. They've lost two games at home that you would expect them to win, and they've got a really tough one again this weekend with the the Patriots. And I mean, they're still suffering from that hangover. So yeah, yeah. Florida? Yeah, I'm just uh, a little bit. I think we all pretty much went for the Falcons, and this is a easy enough win. Sure. Um, and yeah, I I think it's the hangover from last season that's really affecting them. I think losing their uh, offensive coordinator. Um, it's just it it seems to have affected them because they're now sitting on a record that you wouldn't have expected come this time of the season. Um, just wasn't an impressive game for them. Uh, I think they kind of, when they got that lead in the first quarter, they kind of sat back and took the, the foot off the pedal a little bit. So yeah, I was a, a bit surprised about it. Fair play to Dolphins. I don't expect much from this year anyway, but again, they're sitting at what, 3-2 and two now? Yeah, Tr- they're tr- surprising. And the game in hand, if they win it, they're 4-2 and two top of the division with the Pats. So. And they well could win that game because it's it against the Bucs who are inconsistent. So. Yeah, so... Yeah. Yeah, look, uh, that was a surprise, uh, certainly, but a great win by the Dolphins. Disappointment for the Falcons. Turning our attention to another game now, the Packers at the Vikings. This was a a big divisional away game for the Packers. They lost 23-10 to the Vikings. We could talk about the score. We could talk about how comfortable Case Keenum looked again for the Vikings. But let's be honest, guys, there's only one story here. Aaron Rodgers got knocked out of the game with a broken collarbone. He's now since had surgery. It's highly improbable he'll be back any time this season. Um, the related story might be what exactly is a Brett Huntley, um, but like devastation for the Packers. Yeah, it's um, there's panic nationwide except for in Green Bay, um, which is really interesting. The guys in the Green Bay organization, they're not panicking. They're not going to f- trying to find a new quarterback to bring in. They have trust in Brett Huntley. Um, anyone that talks about him doesn't rate him that highly at the moment, but... There are people within the Green Bay organization that feel they've invested three years into Brett Hundley. I do think coming in at a game against the Vikings of that magnitude, you're never going to do well anyway, especially when you're not expecting to play. So I think you can't judge him on that game. I think it would be very, very unfair because he he wouldn't have been getting the first team reps. He wouldn't have known the game plan as well as Aaron Rodgers, for example, in this one. But um, yeah, uh, I'm, I'm unsure to whether or not say this is, you know, the be-all and end-all for the Packers because they've proven with backup quarterbacks in the past that they can do it. So whether Brooklyn Link comes in and 
performs next week, that'll be an interesting piece. Well, I mean, the last time this happened, because Rogers did his collarbone before, I think it was Matt a combination Fli- Matt, Matt Flynn, Flynn and um, someone else. That Tolsey. Yeah. Yes, it was Tolsian at the time. And they went two and four, but just kept the ball rolling. And then mm. um, uh, Rogers came back in week 17, actually, against the Bears to, to win the game. But I mean, this is potentially, he won't come back. I don't think, I, I, I'm pretty confident he won't come back. Um, the sur- and again, it was an interesting one. The big discussion was, will he get surgery? Won't he get surgery? And the recommendation I heard on the Peter King podcast was that he had to get surgery. Because yeah. again, if he didn't get surgery, couldn't guarantee that the shoulder or the collarbone would grow back in place. Yeah. And it is his throwing arm, which is even more dangerous. I mean, look, Brian, I, I had the Packers to get to the Super. I can't legitimately say it anymore. I mean, the AFC, NFC North is competitive this year. Well, well. I, I actually do think the season is over. I think the Packers are so... Reliant on Reliant on one-dimensional in the sense that they put all their eggs in one basket on Rodgers. And if you look on the other side, like for Vikings, for example, they're on their third quarterback, but they're winning games because they put a good supporting cast around the quarterback. I don't believe that the Packers have done that this year or other years. They didn't do much in free agency. If you looked at the team, there was talk of trades this week, if they could trade a quarterback in. But who would, honestly, other teams look for in the, in the Packers well, 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 there's pe- there's people saying that you know they should trade, but nobody in the Green Bay Packers front office are even considering it. Apparently, they trust that they have a quarterback in Brett Hundley, and I think look, they've got a game this week. They then have a bye week, and then I think it's the game after. That's when you need to sit down and evaluate. I don't think you can really evaluate in mm. this upcoming game. Give them two full weeks of prep with Brett Hundley. In that game after the bye week, that'll be the performance where you can say if the season has done it. But it is very difficult for them because we were even commenting last week on their fantastic games against the Cowboys. It would still, their defense wasn't fantastic. And of course, it was two great offenses, but maybe slightly weaker defenses. So they Mm. don't have a strength there they could lean on like other teams. Their running game, uh, and I, I do agree with this, I think Ty Montgomery's done a great job, but he's still a converted wide receiver. It's not like they have a running game and so to your point Brian in fairness that they haven't invested around yeah. the rest of it so you're relying upon Aaron Rodgers to produce miracles Brett Huntley might be a above average starter but they need someone at Aaron Rodgers exponential levels to actually really progress but there's nobody out there that they can trade for so like who do you go for there, there is actually nobody out there well unless they're going to give the the air to in terms of offering up second rounds and stuff like Garoppolo for example has come up but I, I was thinking that but I want haha Clinton Dix and Clay Matthews then yeah but that's what he said there's only four or five players and teams would ask for players and trades like Devontae Adams obviously that's not going to happen and King the cornerback yeah. look there's some good players but they're not enough players for people to go yeah. and say I'll take them as part of a trade I and, they know, and they know that they're desperate I was going to raise this later but I mean it does strike me there's only a couple of teams that have really sparked this year I mean Packers in that game against the Cowboys Eagles have started extremely strong Chiefs until this weekend and don't worry Gordo we'll get to it um, this almost feels now the Packers obviously have a big loss this almost feels to me a bit like the 2011 season that you know there were a lot of good teams but no great teams and Brian you and me sport the Giants and the Patriots will never claim that vintage that got to the Super Bowl were amazing teams they were deeply flawed on both sides are we looking at a similar season there's no standouts there's lots of good teams that could beat each other on the day and now when you get catastrophic injuries Texans lost JJ Watt you know Chiefs lost, lost Eric Berry in the first game of the season I mean well, is this going, what we're going to be left going, with we're going into week seven I would have expected that we would have done a where are we at state of the season by week eight I suppose halfway through right now like it's hard for me to pick a team right now in the NFC people say the Eagles but the Eagles are five and one. If if the Redskins were to beat Eagles on Monday, then the Redskins are level with them, albeit as a game less because they've had their boy. Um, so I'm not convinced 
by the Eagles at the moment. Let, let me and they started a strong last season and didn't and follow they, through. They fell yeah. away. So like, again, where do you, the Packers now are in a different situation. Falcons have still, you guys are saying. Yeah, yeah but that's my point. It's lots of good teams and maybe not. I'd be struggling now to honestly say now, if you're asking me now who's going to play in the Super Bowl. You wouldn't have a clue. The AFC, I'd argue you could say three teams. Chiefs, Patriots, Steelers. One of them three will play in the Super Bowl. Mm. Yeah. But on the NFC side, I don't know. I, I don't think any of us saw the results the way they're coming this year. Uh, it's just... It's <sighs> making, making a film of our picks anyway. Oh, for sure. Every, every year. And, and Some I, of us. Yeah. Okay. Well, okay, Mark, you had a good week. You, <laughs> you had one, one good week. Right. Sorry, so this, this is the one I wanted to bring up quickly. It was Rich Eisen put out a tweet and he goes, if you predicted the NFC division leaders entering week seven will be the Eagles, Vikings, Panthers and Rams, tell me your Powerball numbers, please. Like... Yeah. Sums no, it up well. Like sums no, it up. Nobody, nobody would have yeah. said it. No. Uh, another division that's been in flux: the AFC East. Patriots played the Jets at MetLife this weekend. They beat them twenty-four seventeen. Patriots still aren't fully clicking. They were fourteen 0 down early. Um, I'll be honest; I won money on it because I wasn't really that worried and put a ton of money on while we were down fourteen 0 um, the Jets let the Pats back in with sloppiness at the end of the first half in particular, so they picked up a touchdown. And the Pats game got running, running game got going much more than other games. But the Jets were spicy and competitive, as they always are for Pats games, but certainly at a greater talent level than we would have predicted at the start of the season. Um, Brian, nothing else to say about this game? Uh, only thing really I would call out. I know, I know what you think I'm going to go. I'm, not, I'm actually going to say I was impressed with Gronk. It's good to see Gronk back to himself. Two good touchdowns and look like the player of old. He did. But on another tight end, now maybe Gordon might... Austin Safarian Jenkins. Well, there was a touchdown that wasn't a touchdown that ended up being a touchback and look, there's been a week long of people saying it should have been a touchdown. It, it shouldn't have been. Um, I actually would side on, on this one on the Patriots side. I, when I saw it at first, I thought it was a fumble. Uh, you can always tell by the reaction of some of the players and the Patriots players straight away were immediately in the, the uh, sidelines face saying what's going on it should be saved because he obviously gave a touchdown which in fairness it did look like a touchdown haven't seen a number of replays you could see, you could argue maybe it should have stood I still think it was the right decision but yeah. um, it's been probably the most controversial decision of the season and it shouldn't be because I still felt the Patriots would have went on and won the game yeah well only brought them back to within three Gordo yeah. uh, uh, for listeners at home Mark's sitting here with a big massive smile on his face as if like you know this was a done deal game like you you won 24-17 yeah. Against the Jets. Yeah. And you're sitting there chuffed with yourself as in like if you think that's what a winning team needs to go on and do do well this year, like you're a you're no, a no, no. Like the, in the Patriots needed to win. They won. They never beat the I said it last week, they never beat the Jets by much. The the last game last season, forty one three, was a aberration. There have been a few aberrations, Thanksgiving back a few years ago. But the Jets, it's a great rivalry game. They always play it tough. Is that the yeah. Buffumble game? That that was the butt fumble game. Yes, what? it was forty five three again with Sanchez. Um, I'm just look, Patriots need a lot more than that, and they need to build. But the same token, you need the wins. We've played atrociously this season yeah. so far, and they're still four and two. Well, I'm questioning if the big man upstairs is listening to me because at fourteen down, I said so many prayers to you know pray pray that the Jets could keep it up. But then I saw the Pats just coming back, and yeah, it was unfortunate. They just they went out too early for the Jets. Um, if they had been like that in the kind of the latter half or the latter quarter, it would have been. I'm ideal. watching yeah. NFL long enough to know if, if the Pats are down 40 and nil in the fourth quarter against a team like the Jets. There's always gonna, plenty of time. It's not going to last forever. Yeah. Um, the the only thing I'll say about the decision actually is I equally like you've seen all the the hoopla about it live. I did think it was 
it was the right call actually when they overturned it. Um, I must admit, I probably have a little bit of bias. But what's getting lost in it is several things. Number one is it only would have brought the Jets back to winning three. And I do think they still would have gone on to lose the game regardless. And secondly, some of the stuff out there is all the, you know, oh, it's all the Pats. They're being taken care of by the league office. I mean, I can call Chris Jones and the stupid penalty that was given against him in 2011 that stole a game from the Pats against the Jets. And that was an actual steal. Or we could talk about Luke Keekley mugging uh, Gronk. I get sick and tired of every rule in favour of the Pats being said, oh no, it's always favouring them. And the most classic example of this, Brian, what's the most classic example of someone saying a rule just designed to protect the Pats or save the Pats or start the, the Pats dynasty? The tuck rule. And what was the first time the tuck rule was called? On a, on a Jets game, was it? No. It was on a Patriots-Jets game earlier yeah. in the season against the Patriots. So... Let's get wrong with it. Uh, let's deal with that. But actually, another amusing thing is if only they had pylon cameras. If only you listened to Bill, guys, that might have helped. Right, I'll move on. I'm going to stop moaning about this now. We did win the game, so I'm very delighted about that. Lions at Saints. Gordo, did you have the under on this one? Uh, no, but I had the Lions to win it. Which is good. Oh, sorry, no, sorry, I had the Saints to win it. Sorry, I was the only... <laughs> just confused me there. I was the only one out of the three of us to pick the Saints last week. You uh, did, and do look at I me, mean, maybe we rode off the Saints a bit too soon because the Lions aren't doing their usual of not necessarily being contender teams and, and they're probably sick of the NFC South. They've now lost the Falcons, Panthers and Saints. But this was unreal. 90 points, five defensive touchdowns and my stat of the week on this one, Saints put up 50 points. So you think... Drew Brees had a blinding game here. How many yards did he throw for in the whole game? 186. But I said it about the Saints last week. I said, in at home, they're a tough team to go and beat. Um, people just seem to struggle. They really struggle. It's a dome dome in um, yeah. in New Orleans as well. Super dome. But, but uh, at 31-10 at halftime, uh, it was pretty much dead and buried at that stage. And I think then it was just both teams. I think the Lions at that stage, let's just go for it. And when they started scoring, sure, the Saints kept on with what they were doing. So, yeah, it was 38-52. What a game. What a, what a, po- a high-point scoring game. But, yeah. no, um, I was confident the Saints would come away with a win in this one. Um, I just think the Lions, as much as I enjoy watching Matthew Stafford, he's just had a few games where it's just been up and down. Um, just hasn't mm-hmm. been. Consistency is the weird thing this year, this season for all, a lot of teams. Yeah. There's a serious lack of consistency where one week players play unbelievable Next week, it's just you don't know where they've gone. Well, I, I recall the line last week was actually, whose defense do you trust more? And mm. the easy answer to that last week was the Lions. And they did get a few defensive turnovers, but still. The Saints have actually bigging themselves up by the fact that the defense has really come on since the start of the season, in particular that game against the Vikings. But one thing I noticed last weekend was, we've always said about Breeze in the Dome and it's contingency put on Breeze's shoulders to win the game. But Mark Ingram had a very good game at running back 114 yards, two touchdowns. And they seem to have mixed it up a bit, which is good to see because yeah. Breeze is getting on a bit. And if you want to ha- hang on to him and get him, you know, being as productive as ever, you need to kind of... And, and Camera as well, who started strongly yeah. for them, had a good... Which is half the reason why they decided to look at Adrian Peterson to the Cardinals being traded was the right move because they traded up to get Camera in the draft and he's he's took off. He looks very good. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um... Bears at Ravens. Bears took this one, their second win of the season, 27-24. You're talking about running back there with Ingram. Jordan Howe was an absolute demon in this particular game. 167 yards on 36 carries. It was really protecting Trubitsky. He only threw 16 times uh, with only eight completions. Um, But there was another person throwing the ball, Tariq Cohen, the halfback threw uh, for a touchdown. Um, when we compare that efficiency, however, to Joe Flaccid on the other side, 
He threw 41 times for 180 yards and two interceptions. Farrakhan's had 10 interceptions. Um, sorry, he's, he's been intercepted 10 of his last 11 games. It's like a given now he's going to be intercepted every game. The one thing about the Bears I'm really enjoying the season is like as if they started the season and said, look, no one gives us a hope and we're going to play like there's nothing on the line. Because the week before against the Vikings, albeit they lost the game, the punter threw, an inter- threw a touchdown. Yeah. There was a fantastic two-point conversion in that game. And again, last weekend, they were just you know, calling out, dialing out these random plays, such as you said, the Terry Cohn touchdown to Zach Miller. Excellent. No one saw that one coming. And then even in the um, drive the, at the end of the game, like Mitch Richie, the second game in, as a pro, and that particular drive, albeit, as you said, Jordan Howard had a great run, but there was one particular throw where he was on his back foot, and if he hadn't got that throw, he would have had to punt. And it was a third down throw, and like I said, he only completed eight times, but that yeah. was one, and it was a beauty. Yeah. And as well as that, like Howard isn't in the league ro- long. Cowan is a rookie. Tabriskin is a, a rookie. They took the ball on the five-yard line of the Ravens, and you think, okay, they're up against it here. They drove down and got the winning field goal. I, I was delighted to see the Bears win, to be honest. It was a great, great win for them. It was. Yeah. It was. They, they're, they're still up and down, as are the Ravens up and down and everything. Um, but, but uh, and what it, one thing I would say is like the two and four and like the likelihood is they're not going to make the playoffs. But you can see in the young players that they brought in, they do have an opportunity in the next couple of years to get themselves back in the mix if they draft well next year. And provided they keep John Fox for another year, maybe we'll see. Yeah, to be honest, I didn't see. I think I went for the Ravens last week. We this all one. went for we the all Ravens. Went for yeah, Ravens yeah, we on did. This one. Um, yeah, we, we rolled off the Bears at the start of preseason. Um, like you say, uh, it was really interesting to see them really protect Trubisky. Um, they don't want to, I suppose, expose them too much too early. But um, yeah, it's a great win for the Bears. And yeah, hopefully th- they probably will get one or two more now throughout the season. So. Absolutely. Well, look, as I say, the Bears and Ravens have been inconsistent. So we might wonder re- reasonably what type of team is turning up each week. But we do know what kind of Bears, uh, Browns team is turning up each week. That is a bad one. The Browns went down again, 33-17 to the Texans. 6-0. and oh, uh, Sorry, of course they're not 6-0. 0-6 now on the season. Um, but let's not talk about the sad sack Browns. Let's talk about the Texans. They've racked up 37, 57, 34, and 33 points in the last four weeks. Um, Gordo, you know, I don't know if you want to talk about the Browns. Do you want to talk about Sean Watson? Yeah, I think he's the first qu- first rookie quarterback ever to throw three touchdowns or more in three consecutive games. That's correct, yeah. Um, and again, like you say, I think it was, uh, but it's not even just 3 3 3. It's, I think it's 5 4 3 in terms of touchdowns, which is just exceptional. And myself and Brian actually watched a great video of um, Bill O'Brien mic'd up on NFL um, YouTube uh, of him coaching um, Deshaun Watson. Even after he threw a touchdown pass, he still called him up and said, that was the wrong formation. That wasn't the formation I called and coaching him on the sideline. And maybe Bill O'Brien, the quarterback whisperer, is back. Maybe not. We've we've dissed him. Well, I've dissed him um, this year. Uh, but yeah, Deshaun Watson seems to be the real thing. With the Browns, they're 0-6 this year, obviously. They're 1-21 over the last two years with the current front office. Um, and there's an interesting report that they are out looking for a front office candidate at the moment. So at the moment, you've got Jimmy Haslin, the owner, who apparently is still very involved, even though he has no NFL experience. You've got, obviously, Sashi Brown, Paul, De- I can't pronounce the second name, DePosta? Yeah, DePostra, I think it is. DePostra. And Andrew Berry, who is the vice president of player personnel. Again, none of them with serious... NFL experience in player evaluation. No, it's all the money ball regime here in relation to it. And I did hear during the week that they said to that rumor that they were looking for a new executive that there is no truth behind this rumor. It's the typical kind of support factor behind the politician just before you get to the can, isn't well, it? And, and apparently Peyton Manning was in Cleveland. Um, and room, But again, nothing to do with the Browns reportedly, but still there. And everyone knows that Peyton Manning 
potentially wants to get into some form of a front office management role with an NFL team. Or ownership. Or, or ownership. And yeah. I think um, what the Browns are lacking, and I, I'm a fan of the Moneyball system. Oh, sorry, I was. Or still, I still am. I still think it works to an extent, but unfortunately people are pulling up the picks that people are mis- that the Browns have missed on the last few years. Uh, and Deshaun Kaiser is starting again this week. Um, so I was just about to say that. I mean, that's the bonkers thing about this. I mean, Kevin Hogan had a nightmare game, but yeah. they've gone with benching Kaiser, saying, Kevin Hogan, you're the starter, giving him one game, benching him now, Kaiser, you're the starter again. I mean, that's not going to help. Well, that's what I hate. I, I hate when teams do that. Just make a decision, stick with it, and, you know. But again, it looked like Kaiser couldn't handle the pressure. Uh, and now they're throwing him back into it. And, yeah, it's just uh, it was an easy win. We all said Texans would win it handy enough. But it's just, yeah, the Browns just seem to be in dismay at the moment. Right, so look, the the Browns continue in their amazing 15-year project to eventually get back to relevance. Um, Gordo, I suppose like our next team, either you can take one of two great 80s or 90s tunes. You could say D-Ream, things can only get better, or you could use Yaz, the only way is up. Whichever one you want is your Browns theme tune for the year. I, I suggest that. The other poor sad sack that's still on 0-6 at the moment, the 49ers, um, they're a lot more competitive though. They went down to the Redskins 26-24, very close. Five games in a row now with less than three points. They have a team playing tough. I, actually, more so than the Browns and perhaps in the same category as the Bears. I could definitely see another good draft or another year. This team could really bounce back quickly. And they had a surprise breakout with CJ Bethard. Bethard, Bethard at the weekend uh, in, in place of Brian Hoyer, well, that quarterback. I think he both called this to be a blowout and it wasn't, you know. Yeah. Well, it was until they replaced her. Cause yeah. It was 70 nil, and then they made the decision to take him out. Interesting enough, yeah, quarterback that they took in the draft, and uh, no one expected him to start, but they gave him an opportunity. Do you know who his father was? Mr. Bethard. And do you know who he drafted? He didn't draft Montana, did he? Ryan Leaf. <laughs> really? <laughs> I didn't hear that one. There you go. There's one for you. There's a little nugget. I thought it was going to be a 49ers reference, but Ryan Lee, okay, yeah. interesting. So he didn't, thankfully he didn't listen to his father too much anyway as he grew, yeah. grown up. But or, his um, fa- or his father knew what to teach him and what not to yeah, teach him. Yeah, true, yeah. But no, he played, he played very well and like you said, the game looked like it was gone and then they came back very well. I was, uh, they were lucky in the end because it looked like they were driving to win the fi- to get the field goal and a few bad flags and bad penalties kind of pulled them back and then kind of put themselves out of range. Yeah, I mean, talking about annoyance with officials, there was a throw to Garcon on the sideline. They had to go upstairs with it, but it was like his knee was down inside the play and the official still failed against it and it was still a bit of debate. It's kind of like, guys, you know the rules at this stage, for Christ's sake. Yeah, it's unfortunate for the 49ers. Um, I thought that actually this weekend might be the weekend to get the win with the whole Seagalia situation, but it looks like now again, this is getting a farce, to be honest, at this stage. Hearing after hearing, court case after court case, I've lost interest now, to be honest. All I know is he's going to play this weekend. Um, and forcing for them, the Niners looks like they will lose again. Yeah, for the Niners, at least it's um, it looks like it could be a shorter than the five-year um, plan uh, in San Francisco, because um, they're they're playing well each week and they're getting results. As in, they're putting out performances that nobody here really expected. We all thought this year would be a complete write-off, but um, no, they've turned up the first few games of the season. Yeah, definitely, definitely have. It's still 0-6, unfortunately, but not a good draft, and maybe they bounce back. Um, team we were riding off last week, Cardinals. Uh, we're at home to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, they won 38-33. They exploded back again. Palmer to Larry Fitz still does work, and they traded for Adrian Peterson. We already talked about why the Saints could discard him, but he still lives. 134 yards and two touchdowns, and the, the cards were walking this. 24-zip at halftime, 31-0, three minutes into the second half. So 
How does, was it that the Bucks got back to 11 with the, with the ball in hand with seven and a half minutes to go? Ryan Fitzpatrick happened, pick six, so it didn't really matter that much. Um, however, you know, is this just a case of two bad teams having an interesting game mid-season? Yeah, I think there's part of that. Um, I think the Adrian Peterson touchdown, his first touchdown, was just beautiful. If you watch it again, because it, he, he patience... But there wasn't a gap there, as in he literally, the gap was closing and he had to hurdle through the gap. It was like jumping through a hedge. He was just excellent. And he still has a really, really good step on him because um, his change of direction was exceptional. Um, but I think it's most people just forgot how good Adrian Peterson is because we haven't seen him. Nobody thought he could get back to the level he was. But he looks rejuvenated down there or uh, up there, wherever it is in, in Tampa Bay, but up or down my geography. Is down in Arizona. Down in Arizona. Sorry, down Phoenix. in Arizona. Phoenix. But, um, and then the big one was Patrick Peterson as well for the Cardinals. Um, now, I think he only played the first... He came off with an injury uh, later on, but for all of the time he was on play, he was on Mike Evans, and Mike Evans didn't have a single catch, couldn't do anything in that game. And then when Patrick Peterson came off with, a, I think it was a, a quad injury, yeah. uh, it, Patrick Peterson then started catching balls. So, yeah, I think that's where the Bucks kind of came back into it a little bit as well. But um, yeah, it was just interesting to see the Cardinals actually throw around. We all thought they were a real aging team and they still are but it was good for them to actually play a bit of exciting well, football obviously I think between Palmer, Larry Fitz and Adrian Peterson the combined age is 110 or <laughs> something ridiculous like that I think when a lot of people expected a big season out of the Cardinals that was on the basis that David Johnson would be there because he, yes. he yeah. certainly does help Palmer and it was no coincidence to see that they've got a, a running back in who had a very good game and obviously look we don't know if he's going to have better games going forward but Palmer on Sunday looked totally different he looked more relaxed he, he was able to hand it off Time in the pocket, the whole game plan was totally different for him. Instead yeah. of him continuously throwing and getting battered e each week. Although there was a touchdown, I think, uh, and I could be mistaken in this, where he completely underthrew the pass um, down the sideline. But luckily, his wide receiver was smart enough to come back. So, yeah, there are certain throws that Palmer is making that just worry you. It's going to be going to be a tight NFC West. Maybe they've still got a bit of life, but no, yeah. we'll wait and see. Um, the, the smartest touchdown ever was scored during this game as well. Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick to Cameron Brait was the first ever touchdown from a Harvard product to another Harvard product. Very nice. So there you go. Sleep well tonight with that one. Uh, you will. I thought you would. Rams at Jaguars, 27-17. Uh, you want to call out your picks? I'm going to call out my lone wolf pick on this one, going with the ja the Rams against you boys. Uh, there's one thing to be said for this. Fastest start of an NFL game ever. Two TDs in the first 30 seconds. First, uh, there was the first kickoff return for a touchdown this season. And then the first play from scrimmage, Leonard Fournette runs 75 yards for a touchdown. Uh, it did calm down after that. But like I said last week, Rams are more contenders than the Jags pretenders. I told you to trust Goff and Gurley more than Bortles and Fournette. And over the game, that paid out. Also, I've mentioned him before, but I have to say, Jim Fizel, specials team coach at the Rams, always puts out a great unit. And they came up with two touchdowns for the Rams. When it was 24-14 a half time, the game finished 27-17. The second half was all about the demise of the Jags kicker because he was three field goals and he's since been released, uh, Mr. Myers. So, yeah, again, it was similar enough to the week before where Nick Falcon must be something down on that side of the, the country where all these kickers are getting released. It's a, it's a tough life as a kicker, lads. As in, it literally takes one bad game. Yeah, well, Cody Park, he's still solid for the Dolphins, but if he has a bad game next week, there's definitely something wrong in Miami, isn't it? Florida, sorry. They, it was a 10-point game, but it was a 7-point game for quite a lot in the second half, and the Jags continuously drove down 
drove down, got their opportunities, couldn't punch it in, and then they were having reasonable field goals from 35-40 and missing them. Yeah. So it was a killer for them. But uh, yeah, look, I thought the Jags were going to win. Again, they just keep, they're frustrating the old crowd, the Jags, because every time you think they're pushing on, they just seem to self-destruct. So, so see so how they go this week. Absolutely. Yeah, not much to answer that, to be honest. It's the inconsistency we mentioned yeah. earlier on. Um, the Jags, who we didn't think would have a great start of the season, came out with a great start, and now they put yeah. in that performance last week. Uh, the LA Rams are top of their division, 4-2. Uh, and two. They stand proudly ahead, although the Seahawks have the uh, tiebreaker by virtue of their win last week. Well, they have a game less back as well. So. Yeah, they do. They yeah. can make it up at the moment, yeah. yeah. Um, Chargers at the Raiders. Uh, again, I'm going to call a lone wolf on this one. Uh, I did feel this would finally be the Chargers' chance to kind of break through a bit more, bouncing off their win against the Giants last week. They finally didn't mess something up in the fourth quarter, winning on Nick Novak's 32-yarder as time expired. We're talking about kickers. The biggest kicker and the biggest point of the game, actually, was Giorgio Tavecchio missing an extra point for the Raiders, which, obviously, if he yeah. got, it would have been going to overtime. And Derek Carr's awful awful divisional record continues to stink the place out Raiders are now two and four on the season uh, look if you were struggling to sleep and you wanted to get a nap this was the game to watch it just there's the play by both teams I've watched it twice now and there's just nothing to get excited about in it um Derek Carr's interception was such poor play it just shows the dysfunction of the Raiders at the moment it was to Crabtree and Crabtree clearly thought he was running a route which was a cutback route because he stops turns and the ball has gone over his head and intercepted. Yeah, it was. Well, uh, the man who's come back from a broken back. I'm going to give a little bit of credit. Well, credit. no, well, there's not really much credit. sympathy it's, for. There's not much sympathy if you throw the wrong ball at the <laughs> wrong to the wrong play. You know, I say something if it was competed for. It was the wrong play from a quarterback who we all rate really, really highly. And yeah, you know, okay. you, you you can't do that. So, um, yeah, I thought the tri- or the Raiders come back. There were some some good bits from them. Um, Marshall Lynch though does, doesn't look like he's doing much. Um, he missed a very, very simple catch. Now, ball wasn't thrown as well uh, by by Derek Carr, but he's out, he's outside of the uh, top hundred running backs for the season in terms yeah. of yards and all the rest. So he's he's not the player. He's busy with his reality TV show. What's it? The, the No Script, I think it's called. So yeah, he's got a new reality TV show that he's come up with himself. But um, they were banking on being the Marshall Lynch that we saw in Seattle, but the year that was has clearly taken an impact on. I I, I also I also don't think he cares to be honest. Yeah, I, I know a lot of useless information, but I didn't know about Marshawn Lynch's reality show. Yeah, you didn't? No, no, Gordo spent a bit too long on Hey You, I think. It yeah, it's the age thing there, isn't it? It is, it is. Look, guys, when I'm, when I'm with it, I'm with it, you know. <laughs> right, next up for the Raiders will be the Chiefs, who actually still totally have their number with five wins in a row. However, last week, the Chiefs were playing a team that totally has their number with three wins against the Chiefs in Arrowhead in back-to-back years. The Steelers beating them 19-13. Gouda, I, I would love to talk about a great Steelers performance here. I'd love to talk about the great play by Brown and Bell throughout and how their defense locked down the Chiefs. I mean, who had a net seven yards in the first half. But I have to talk about Big Ben and the line at the end with this cowboy has a little life left in him. Now, Ben, I'm serious. It's, it's clearly not him anymore. He was born in Ohio. He went to college in Miami. He is not a cowboy. <laughs> All I can put this down to is that Brett Favre somehow has pulled a Warren Beatty out of Heaven Can Wait. Or for you, Gordo, because you're a bit younger, Lindsay Lohan and Freaky Friday. And actually, Brett Favre is inhibiting the body of Ben Roethlisberger at this stage. Look, I was... Uh Absolutely chuffed with the way the Steelers came out and played. Um, and, and the Chiefs didn't turn into a bad team overnight. It was just 
the Steelers came and really on defense they minimized what the Chiefs could do on offense and it was really really impressive um Smith Alex Smith is obviously known for his short to medium throws that's what he loves and he loves playing down the middle and that, that that's where his expertise is and the Steelers just stopped that they were saying throw to the hash you're gonna have to throw it long and they just struggled and just the Steelers defense was really really on fire um Lockdown Kareem Hunt, first team to do that all season. Yeah. Well. Nine carries for 21 yards. Yeah, but I mean, that's what I'm saying. First half, seven net yards. That's unheard of. Yeah. yeah. They came out with a strategy at work, and I suppose the big thing now people are kind of saying is, well, we've seen what can stop the Chiefs, but can it be adapted by other teams? And that's the big question. You don't know. Um, I think the Steelers just came out with a really, really smart game plan that Chiefs weren't really expecting, and yeah. they didn't have an answer for it. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how the Chiefs get on next week. But again... I just think the Steelers really pulled a great performance out of yeah. the bag. Uh, Brian, I mean, we talked last week that they wanted revenge for the playoff defeat last year. They still didn't have an answer to Le'Veon Bell. 32 no. carries, 179 yards for a TD. You know? Yeah, and the guys on CBS were doing the commentary, Tony Romo, and like, I know I give out about him, but he, but he made one good point, which I've been saying for quite some time. You can't miss, you can't miss the off-season um, training camp and Rocky and expect to just have a great season, and it's taken them four or five weeks to get back up to speed of things, and it was no coincidence that was his best game of the season. At a, at a critical time, because it was a must-win for the Steelers coming off that Jags defeat yes. the week before. So, um, yeah, they, the game plan, as you said, they have the number. Um, the game didn't start well for the Chiefs at all. They gave up a safety very early on. You could tell then that this was a game that the Steelers were well up for. Yeah. So, um, and then uh, the remarkable fumble recovery off the free kick, which is the first time I've ever seen that. After the safety, they did a free kick and the Steelers fumbled it. And that's yeah. what gave them their first field goal. But, yeah, look, fair credit to the Steelers. They toppled the undefeated Chiefs and uh, 72 Dolphins right again. Uh, no undefeated teams left. Uh, two games left to cover. First one, Giants at the Broncos. 23-10 in favour of the Giants. Brian, you've suffered several weeks for this. First win of the year and a really good one. You take it away. Well, I did pick the Broncos last week, but I did, and Gordon was laughing, saying you hadn't got a hope. And he, I was, I, At the time, I said, I'm giving you the theory on how the Giants can win. So the Broncos, the offensively, aren't that good. Their defense has won the games for them. Put them in a situation where they're down by your scores and they'd have to start throwing the ball, and it just doesn't suit the game plan. But uh, the Giants' defense that I expected at the start of the season finally turned up. Jack Rabbit in particular, he had an interception, pick six, forced fumble. Collins had an inter interception, JPP, three sacks. It was just like last year. It was like watching last year. And Eli got a lot of stick last week, and... He came out with a good performance. It was interesting to see before the game. There was great coverage of him on the sideline before the game, coaching the wide receivers. It's like as if he never met these guys before. And he said, look, so normally you see him and he's thrown all the, the, the throws to Beckham and to Marshall before the game. There's no conversation going on. But he was literally on the sideline with these three guys. Every different pass he was telling them, this is what I expect of you today. But it was a polished performance. But how much credit do you give to Eli? And how much credit do you give to a re-energised re running game when they stopped trying to run Shane Vereen up the middle? And, most importantly, Ben McAdoo not calling the plays. And I've been calling for for weeks that he needed to hand over the play. They just it. need to listen to you, really, Brian. Well, he said last week he was handing it over. First of all, it, it was a good move. He didn't tell any of the players except for Eli. So Eli knew from Wednesday no one else did. So come Sunday, the players didn't know. They just knew that what was being called. They didn't know who was calling. But he said he needed to be around the team more last week because there was so much hassle going on within, within the dressing room. But... As a head coach, should you not be doing that from day one? Yeah, that's and I've been saying it for weeks. He's too focused on play calling and not enough time coaching the team properly. But um, it's a big win, and the owners have come out and support McAdoo since then. They said they were supporting him all along, but it was good to see. And 
I'm confident for Sunday, bizarrely enough. I actually think we have a good chance on Sunday, but you know I'm crazy, so bring it on, Seattle on Sunday. Bring it on, indeed. Gordo? No, I'll leave it with uh, Brian and I'll let him have this game. Let him enjoy it. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, well-deserved after a horrible start to the it season. It was great. I got to watch it back on Monday with the hurricane. With Ty- Storm Ophelia, yeah. Time after time. You know, it might be the only one this season, so I had to enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> Last game was Monday Night Football. Colts at Titans. Colts took, uh, sorry, Titans took this 36 22, but it was no way as easy as that sounds. There was a garbage time TD. Very tight game all throughout. Colts really restricted the Titans in the first half and to the start of the second half, just keeping them to field goals. Mariota was back, which is good for the Titans to see, and their running game worked, but um, Colts were, were, you know, it was still a very tight divisional game. I mean, it wasn't as well, it wasn't a well, blowout at all. No, Colts were leading into the fourth quarter, so it really was. It, it took the Titans till the fourth quarter to turn on the afterburners a little bit, and they outscored the Colts twenty-one-three in the fourth quarter. So that's what won them the game. Um, Mariota looked good again. He got uh, one touchdown. I think it was three hundred something yards. Um, but it was Derrick Henry. Um, Powering. I think he scored a seventy-one yard. Um, touchdown run. It yeah, was the end, just when they were trying to close it out. Yeah. But yeah. even without that touchdown, it looks like they're handing over the reins to Henry more so than Murray. I think they've started to move a little bit away from Murray. Yeah. Henry seems to be the main guy now. I've been a fan of um, Henry since he came in, but I think that he was lucky he came into a team that had DeMarco Murray in it. I also felt in the first half, as much as the Colts played well, I thought they were being a bit conservative on the play calling with Mariota, bear in mind the injury. But obviously come the fourth quarter, all bets are off because they were down and they needed to come back. So. Chuck Pagano, conservative? I can't imagine it. But it's a good win. Good it win. was a good win. Um, in injury news, of course, Andrew Luck has been ruled out again with a setback to his injury. Brian will eventually listen to me that uh, they're for, doomed. D- done for the season, isn't he? He's not quite. No, no, it's a setback, they've said, and it's a strain. But uh, they've ruled him out for the weekend. They'll monitor it regularly. There were other, obviously, key new uh, injury news as well. Uh, Cliff Averill has gone out into IR for the Lions for the season and is contemplating retirement, uh, which is a sad development there. He's part of the dynamic front four when Sue was there, for example, uh, at the time, along with Nick Fairley. And as Brian alluded to it, they were on a bye this week, but the Cowboys will have Ezekiel Elliott back uh, with a new injunction against the... Sorry, new restraining order against the league's decision to ban him. At this stage, it's getting into Tom Brady territory. He will still serve the ban at some point. It will be next year, which possibly. Is what, which is what we tweeted during the week. Just yeah. get on with it and take the ban. Just get on with it and take the ban. Uh, he wants to say it was an unfair process. It's the NFL. Why are you surprised by what, it at this what, stage? What you know? do you expect? Um, I can only imagine that after all 32 teams have been thoroughly, and the correct legal expression, I believe, is screwed over by Roger Goodell, uh, they will all understand this principle and stop moaning about Bounty Gate or or uh, Deflate Gate or whatever or Zeke Gate. Uh, it's just the NFL does what they decide to do. Anything else from the games last week, guys? Not so much the games, but yesterday, obviously, the whole national anthem thing has kicked off again because I thought we were moving on from that, and now yeah, Goodell we has come so out. So did I, yeah. Goodell has come out with a statement saying we're not going to let we're not going to ask our players to do anything. They can make their own decisions. So back to square one. Um, Mr. Trump has come out already, lashing the mouth. So I can imagine that's going to continue again. Well, I think I, I think uh, Goodell was pushed into a corner because he was, and there were serious talks about him insisting that players stand for the national anthem. And Gerald McCoy um, was on um, uh, the radio there during the week, and he kind of said, "If they do it, fair play." Because Gerald McCoy actually stands for the na- anthem, and he says he'll never sit or kneel for the anthem; he'll always stand. But he says if you force it on players, like people aren't going to do it, you're going to create havoc because you're taking away 
that right of a player for freedom of speech. So yeah, um, First Amendment protections. Yeah, so I really think uh, Goodell has realised that although the military probably pay them quite a lot of money, um, that the players here have the voice and they realise they have a lot of power in this discussion and they're going to use it. So We will see. Um, the only other interesting one I want to bring up, Marquette King, who's got a bit of a personality for a punter. Um, he had a great day as a punter, 55-yard net average on four punts for the Raiders against the Chargers. But the reason I wanted to bring him up was after his first punt, he did Sean Merriman's lights out celebration, uh, better than Merriman ever did at halfway line, which I thought was a, an amusing touch against the Chargers. Right, on to next week's games, guys. Taking it from the top, Thursday Night Football will feature the Buccaneers. Tam uh, no, sorry. It won't feature the Buccaneers. We'll start with Buccaneers at Bills, actually. Buccaneers at Bills, the first game we're going to look at. So, Brian, who you got in this one? I'm going to go with the Bills. Um, they're coming back off. Um, the bye week, the Bucks were inconsistent last weekend. And uh, we, keep asking, we keep wondering when the uh, the Bucks are going to make an appearance. But um, no, not this weekend. I expect the defense of the Bills to be too strong. They're at home. I think they'll win the game. Yeah, I'll go with the Bills on this one just because... Um, I just think the quarterback issue at Tampa Bay at the moment is going to hurt them. So, yeah, I'm going to go with the Bills. Yeah, I, I'm with the Bills on this one as well. I think their defense is going to be too much. And the Bucks have been way uh, too inconsistent. Also an injury to Winston last game. Yeah. So uh, whether he's fully fit will be interesting. Panthers at the Bears. Uh, Panthers last two games, 35 carries for running backs. They've made 37 yards in total. I think if the Panthers don't win this one, there's a serious issue. Um, you can't you can't lose to the Bears. I know we we talked up the Bears in their recent result, but Panthers, you, you expect them to win this one easy enough. Yeah, Brian. Yeah, I mean, I was as I said earlier, I was delighted to see the Bears win, and it's good to see how attractive their offense is. But um, like this is a different this is a different beast we're playing against here. Like the Panthers lost a tough one last week against the Eagles. The Panthers are well in the mix for going to the playoffs, possibly even to win the division. I think Cam would have too much on Sunday and they'll win the game. Yeah, Panthers have uh, 10 days to prepare for this one. I agree with Gouldo. They can't lose the Bears like teams like the Steelers do. Uh, so I'm going with the Panthers for this one as well. Um, Titans at the Browns. Guys, Mariota's back. The running game's back. We just talked about uh, uh, Mr. Henry. Um, you know, this there's, is there's, this is like a free buy in yeah, the middle of the season. The, there's no discussion on this one, unfortunately. Titans, Titans, Titans. Yeah. Correct, yeah. Okay. Saints at the Packers. Uh, you know, who that uh, is going to be the call and the clarion call from the Saints this year and this week in particular because they are on a roll and it's very much a classic NFC clash. But no Aaron Rodgers. Is the door ajar? I mean, are we denied possibly the last ever rodgers Breeze game, perhaps? I wouldn't think so, though. No. I think Rodgers will come back and Breeze will be around for a couple of years. I wouldn't be going that far. Well, it depends on the schedule, of course. It depends on the schedule and his, his age as well. We said earlier on that... You know, when teams have quarterbackers out, the defense tends to step up because they have strong defense. I don't believe the Packers have a strong defense. So they're coming up against a team that's lights out, you know, in terms of putting points up, albeit they didn't put all the points up last weekend, the Saints uh, home to the Lions. But I think the Saints will put up more than enough and not mm. enough for the Packers to catch up on. So I think the Saints will win the game. Um, I'm actually going to go with the Packers on this one. I think the fact that they're playing at home, um, I do think the Saints will score. I think it'll be a high-scoring game. Um. And I'm big on the Saints after a recent win, but uh, I think I have more faith in Hunley than the two ye have. So I'm gonna go with the I'm gonna Fair go with the Packers. No, at no, home. I mean they're certainly gonna be at home and they have a bit of a time with Huntley and maybe they'll pull in something. 
Um, I've been impressed by the Saints. They started off badly again with another 0-2 start, but they've pulled it back, and uh, I think they're getting the Packers at the right time. So I'm going with the Saints again here. Um, going back, actually, to the Thursday night game, there's actually a nice, uh, an interesting run almost in the middle of the season of all divisional games. So we'll go through them in order. First one on the Thursday night is Chiefs at Raiders. And I want two stats for you here, boys. The Chiefs yet have not thrown an inception. The Raiders yet have not caught an inception. What's the betting is going to come up now? But the Chiefs... Well, there, uh, there, there's your bet of the week, isn't it? It, it is really, isn't it? The no turnover or no inception. But the Chiefs have had the Raiders number five in a row, as I said earlier. I like. I want to say I, um, I'd like to think the Raiders can turn it around, but they played so poorly against the Chargers, uh, and I think the Chiefs are going to really have a bit of fire in the belly after losing the way they did to the Steelers. So yeah, I think the Chiefs will run this one fairly handy. Brian, I think the Raiders are a desperate team now. They're two and four. If they lose this, you could argue the division's gone. Yes, and possibly even the wild card's gone. Um, desperate teams tend to win games when they really, really need. They really need to. Um, and at some stage, that streak has to stop. So I'm going to take a chance on the Raiders. Yeah, um, and we all had the Raiders, I think, winning the division at the start of the year or certainly up and thereabouts. So yeah. it, it has been a surprising... I just don't think Derek Carr's right and I don't think another week's going to help him. And uh, I have yet to see the Raiders' defense step up this season. So unfortunately, with the new weapons of the Chiefs, particularly Kareem Hunt, particularly Tyreek Hill, etc., I'm still in favor of the Chiefs. This week. Continuing divisional games, Jags at Colts. Unfortunately, this, this matters a lot. Um, if the Jags lose this, you could argue they're on the slippery slope down away from any hope in the division. Um, Colts still can't stop the run, so Leonard Fournette might might have an interesting game. But the Colts are still knocking around. They are, and they did stop the run last Monday night up to the end of the tour quarter. So um, I'm still Sorry, that's a fair point. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Colts have won two games at home, and for some reason I just see the Colts winning this game as well. Jacoby Brissett, I keep bouncing on about him, but he, as much as people are saying Luck has gone for the season, I don't think it's as bad as it was because he's actually come come on and he's done a really good job for them. Um, the Jags are so inconsistent, so I just can't can't go with them again because they keep they keep making me make a mug of me. So I'm going to go with the Colts. Yeah, to be honest, it feels like a lottery some weeks when we're going our picks, but um, I based off the Titans game and the fact that they're coming up a much better defense in the Jags. I don't think they'll score as much as they did. Uh, and I think the Jags, even with Bortles, can do a lot better. So I'm going to go with the Jags on this one. I'm with the Jags. I'm with Fournette, unfortunately, on this one. I agree, Brian. They've been inconsistent. Um, but I think they've enough for the Colts. And I still think the Colts won't make six wins. So I'm hoping they keep on that direction. Cardinals at Rams. As I say, divisional games matter more sometimes. Rams lost to the Seahawks before. They're at home. They need this divisional game. But is it is it a home game? It's in Twickenham, so... Yeah, that's you that's argue, true. You could yeah, argue yeah. it's not a home game anymore. Yeah. Uh, sorry, oh, I should have, should have alluded. Of course, this is a London week, etc. In the first game in Twickenham, it's a hard one to call because the two teams are a bit checking and hide at times, and the cars are coming off a really good win last weekend. Um, still think the Rams should have mo- just enough to win the game. I'll go with the Rams to win a close one. Um, I actually think the Cardinals will do better on a pitch uh, in the weather. No doubt, be in Twickenham compared to what the Rams are used to. Um, playing in LA, so yeah, I'm going to go with the cards on this game. Uh, Adrian Peterson's second trip to the UK this yeah. season, actually, uh, having already been over the Saints. Uh, I still think the Rams have too much. I'm slowly building up my confidence in them again. McVeigh's still calling good games. Um, I think they'll have too much for the Cardinals, but bigger tests await. 
Uh, AFC East showdown. Jets at the Dolphins. I don't know which way you even go with this one. Um, there are two teams we didn't expect much from. Uh, I think the Jets, after the performance of running your old Patriots very, very close, I think the Jets were probably... Uh, yeah, I'm going to go with the Jets on this one. Going to go with the Jets, Brian? No, there's been very little said about the, about, sorry, about the Dolphins, but they have won two games in a row to beat the Titans, and then they had a good win last weekend, which we didn't expect. The momentum was with the Dolphins. I'm going to go with the Dolphins to win. It's a home game for them as well. The Dolphins win. I, I think the home thing is what triggers it for me. They have been so inconsistent. As I said, two of their losses have been the worst two losses of any team, but they've still won three games. They just beat the uh, uh, NFC champions in the last game, and because they're at home, I'm taking the Dolphins. Uh, this this sounds like one of the greatest games of all time, and uh, you would think it if you were 20 years ago or 30 years ago at this stage. Cowboys at the 49ers. Yeah, one for the ages. Yeah. But not anymore, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, Zeke is back, as we said. Yeah, and I honestly was going to pick the Niners, but the Zeke factor, I'm not saying he's had a great season, but he still gives them so much more, you know, in terms of the running game than McFadden and Morris. So I think they'll be close. I don't, I don't think it'll be a blowout. I think the Cowboys will win by a touchdown. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm going to go with the 49ers because I've backed them the last few games and each time you've all said that they're going to get blown out or they're not going to come close. And they've been a lot closer than we've envisaged, uh, and, yeah. And they're just putting up performances and I just think the longer they're playing together, the better they're getting each week. Uh, and you're coming up against a Cowboys team that isn't the Cowboys from old, so, yeah. Okay, I, I hear you. I called out the stat. They've uh, actually the first team ever to lose five games in a row by less than three points, I think. It's kind of remarkable in that regard, the 49ers. Um, they might be close again, but they won't win. It's going to be the Cowboys. Sorry. No, it's all right. I'm happy to be lone wolf on that one. Yeah, so you're going to be lone wolf this week. Right. Uh, Bengals at the Steelers. Steelers, you know, great win. Walking away with the AFC North, it seems to be. Um, who have you got in this one, Gordon? Or should I even ask? No, I, I I can't. I'm not gonna. It's the last time I bet against them. Steelers, Steelers for this game. Yeah, I agree. I think after last week's win, they're at home. It's a divisional game, and they always tend to do well against the Bengals. And the Bengals, as well as they played on offense the past few weeks, and um, this is a big ask. I think the Steelers. Bengals had a nice break. Nah, Steelers will win. Yeah, I'm with the Steelers as well. Just trying to vince you otherwise. Um, yeah, trying to steer us away so you can catch up. Pretty much, yeah. Two behind, two behind the season. Ravens at the Vikings. It's the Vikings for me. Um, Case Keenum, you said last week, who would you pick out of the trio? I'd stick with Keenum. He's doing a solid. He's, he's, he's solid on offense with the quarterback. Uh, McKinnon looks good at running back. Albeit the last cook, he seems to have taken yeah, yeah, on the Yeah, but McKinnon's really taken on the role strongly. Yeah. Yeah. And their defense is always very good, in particular at home, as you have said. And the Ravens are just too up and down for me, so I'm going to go with the Vikings. Well, the one question I'm going to throw at you on this one, though, is though the Ravens' two cornerbacks have been locked down, to be honest, but they're going against two of the best five receivers and many of the stats in Thielen and Diggs for the Vikings. Um, I'd like to say there's a chance for the Ravens based on that, but based on Flacid, uh, sorry, Flacco, the last while, I just can't have any trust in the Ravens, so I'm going Vikings I think we'll see some well. interceptions from Flacco on Sunday. Brandon Moyne's record at the moment and coupling against that defense. We'll see if you... I'd imagine there'd be a pick six somewhere in London. Well, the, the question is... There's a bit as well. Yeah. Yeah. The question is, who's a better defense, the Bears or the Vikings? And I think we all think the Vikings have a much better defense at the moment. Um, so, yeah, so Bears are the Vikings. So, And I think he threw 41 times, 180 yards and two interceptions against the Bears. So imagine what he'll do against the Vikings. So, um, yeah, I'm going to have to go with the Vikings on this one. Yeah, okay. 
Uh, I'm with you on that one. Uh, we move I, on. I, conf- s- I confused you a little bit there. You, you, you were throwing you, me. You weren't I was, sure where I was going with it. I wasn't sure where you were going, but you brought it back. Brought Thanks, it back. not a problem. Broncos at the Chargers was the last divisional game just to talk about. So Broncos obviously disappointed they'll be after losing to the Giants of the weekend. The Chargers on a two-game winning streak and there's uh, life. And I think it's going to be three games because I'm going to go with the Chargers. Um, the Broncos offense doesn't do it for me. If the defense doesn't step up, but the Chargers have looked good, and they've lost some tight games. I mean, they, won't, they beat the Giants for the tight game, and the few they lost before that were tight games. They could have won. There's a few field goals that went went wide, and they could have had a better record than what it is. So, no, I'm yeah. going to go with the Chargers. Do you think the Broncos can do better if they change QB? I well, is Paxton Lynch fit? Because he was injured. But Brock came in last weekend. Oh, yeah, he did. Yeah, but then yeah. he quickly got taken out. Yeah. So <laughs> Trey, Trey, they, re- they realised <laughs> the They realised who he was again. <laughs> Uh, yeah, Trevor Simeon started the season well. He had a great game against the Cowboys, but yeah. Yeah, I, I, to be honest, it's a flip of a coin for me on this one. I, I really don't know who to go for. Um, so I'm just going to follow Brian and hopefully he picked the right team and go with Chargers. I'm, I'm going to go with the Broncos. They don't turn bad overnight. One, you know, one bad game does not poison uh, the entire fruit bowl for them. So I, I'm saying well, that they they're going to well, bounce back. Well, they did. Even they did. though I like the Chargers and I actually agree with many of the points you make. But yeah, but they lost to a Giants team with no receiving core and yeah. <laughs> a serious losing streak. Uh, so. But but seriously, I don't think their defense is going to be that bad again. Yeah. So we'll see. Uh, Redskins-Eagles is one in the uh, NFC East. It's a, yeah, it's a big game for the division if the Redskins want to have an opportunity to win the division. They really need to win, win this game because they're already lost. They're already down a tie break from week one when the Eagles went into Washington and won. And Eagles are standing at five and one a couple of games clear, yeah. It's inter- interesting because Cousins is actually number one in pass rating for the season across all the quarterbacks. Doesn't feel like it. Doesn't feel like it because, again, it's just under the radar stuff because Wentz has taken on the NFC East and seems to be the, kind of the main man at the moment within that division. If they win, they need to stop him on tour down. He's, he had the most conversions on tour down all season. He's getting out of pocket and he's keeping plays alive. They need to stop that and uh, they need to do a better, better on the secondary because they're giving up explosive plays and... The Eagles at the moment are putting up a lot of explosive plays, but it's going to be a tight one because most NFC East games are tight. But I think the Eagles will just about win. Yeah, I'm a I'm a huge Carson Wentz fan this year. I think he's just he's showing uh, years beyond his age at the moment. So yeah, I'm going to go with Carson Wentz and the Eagles on this game. Okay, I I agree. Uh, Eagles coming off a mini buy, Redskins coming off a proper buy. I just think the Eagles were uber impressive against the Panthers, and I'm I'm labeling yeah. Staying with them for the next while in relation to it. I think they're doing something special there. Seahawks at the Giants, Brian, do I have to ask? You're back on the bandwagon, flying high. Just for this week, before the bye week, uh, on the basis that the Giants' defense turns up, and we've slagged the Giants' offensive line, but I actually think Seattle Seahawks is the worst offensive line in the league. So if the Giants' defense plays the way they did last weekend, I think they'll get to Wilson, cause disruption there, and I think the Giants' defense will bring us on the way to a victory. Yeah, I, I've not been up on the Giants at all this year, and I'm not going to start now. So, yeah, it's going to be Seahawks for me. And I, I, I do agree. I think the Giants' defense can get to Wilson, and that could make this a very, very tight game. But, I, yeah, yeah. I, I don't see the Giants. I mentioned the, the, the Seahawks have lost Cliff Averill, um, unfortunately. But, uh, you know, I still think they've enough. Uh, the one question I have is this could be a case of the two worst offensive lines in all of football matching up against each other. And the Giants' defense, if they played like they did against the Broncos, they will lock down Russell Wilson and shut him down. Uh, but they're at home. If they don't start hot, you could start to hear the MetLife crowd getting on at them. So I'm I'm going with the Seahawks, but I 
you know, we will win see. And the last game we're going to look at, uh, Redskins-Eagles is the Monday night game, but the last game we're going to look at, Falcons at the Patriots, Super Bowl rematch. Falcons have been beaten up by AFC to East teams at home. Pats, however, are one and two at home. Uh, to me, actually, this is quite a clear one. Falcons are going to win this game. Uh, I'm Sorry, the Chuck, you're actually picking the Falcons? Yeah, I didn't, I didn't see that one coming at all. Um, it's simple. The Finns and the Bills have a defensive line and we're able to get after them. Pats don't. We can't stop the run. We can't stop the pass. Six games in a row where a quarterback has thrown for 300 yards or more against the Patriots. Exactly. And, and who better than Matt Ryan to throw for that type of yards? Exactly. And it's also in a circumstance where running backs are picking up chunks, you know, five, six, seven yards very comfortably and against Freeman and Coleman. We'll have a field day in relation. I'm not saying that because you're going for the Falcons, but I agree. I've, I have it already written down. I'm picking the Falcons. Um, you also have to remember Gilmore and Rowe are likely out for the Patriots. So that's two of their top three cornerbacks as well. So yeah. how are you going to get Julio Jones and Gabriel and that whole, and Sanu is going to be challenging. I, I really struggle to see it. I, I agree. I think the Falcons have probably more weapons than the, the Patriots do at the moment. I think it's going to be a big force. And I think Matt Ryan has a lot to answer for, for the start of the season so far. So, yeah, I'm going to go with the Falcons. I just didn't see you picking that way. <laughs> like to surprise you, Gordo. Right, the Lions and the Texans are on a bye. Gold, Brian, do you have a bet of the week for us? No, I don't at the moment because I keep handing out losers, so I'm going to sit tight. You're going to sit tight and, and I'm going to see can I give you Okay, we might, we might have a think about it and put some tweets out. There's a few games we agree with this. We'll have a look yeah. at uh, what the... Uh, Maybe we need to steer away from handicaps and just pick winners. What the accumulator might be. Um, yeah. Right, uh, this is wrapping up week six. As I say, war Eagles are walking away with the NFC East like a snooze. Certain big teams still have to wake up properly, though, but the Packers are still having nightmares of last week. Uh, with the Chiefs lost, the 1972 Dolphins can sleep soundly, but most importantly, Big Kev, rest in peace. Uh, that's it from us this week, with thanks as always to Jay, Engineer Supreme. Uh, but for now, it's goodbye from Brian. Goodbye. Goodbye from Gordo. Goodbye. And it's goodbye from me. Goodbye.